The following show contains spoilers for episode 1 of Survivor 42. Hello again. Hello again. Hello again? Ah. Welcome to the first episode of the podcast. Not counting like, episode zero, because it's yeah. a fake episode for but real no, people. That, count, that counts too? That's important to the series? Yeah, I don't know why it's here. Hey, uh, this is RNG Show. <laughs> we uh, have a fantasy league over here where we do a bunch of drafts for uh, Survivor Seasons, and we plug them into a ever-changing rule set, and we That is highly scientific. in the end. Uh, it, it, it is not scientific. Not really. <laughs> I just, I just want to say that I, I don't claim for the rules to be scientific when I make them. It is very statistically accurate to the uh, best survivor player of the season and the best drafter we, of the season. <laughs> we see how it goes. Yeah. So here we have with us today is me, Toon. Uh, I'm joined by Fred, who is also uh, participating in the Fantasy League for this season. That's me. And we have with us a special guest flying, uh, who has been around here before. uh, (laughs) Why do I get the title of special guest? Notably has... (laughs) I was uh, a host last season. (laughs) has, Has put a lot of time into making uh our rules uh as scientific as possible and no (laughs) i'm the nerd that likes to make the spreadsheets hi how's it going it is making the spreadsheet look nicer which you can go and see over at rngshow.com slash 42 uh or you can just click the link that we have in the show notes for the episode so uh You may notice that compared to the draft episode, (laughs) there are kind of a different set of people here. Uh, Right now we have uh, me and Fred here. Uh, Soaring and TB are uh, taking a little vacation away from this episode, Uh, but that's okay because really it's the first episode. How much is there to really go over, you know? Oh, plenty. It's a double-length episode, so like... There's a lot here going on. Okay. So there is quite a bit to talk about, uh, especially kind of our like first impressions of everybody. Really, the people in the game are so much different than what we see in the interviews before the season. Uh, so we'll have to kind of like dive into how uh, people's like first impressions may have been different than their actual performance on the uh, premiere here. Uh, we can talk about challenges a little bit. We can talk about the two people who ended up going home uh, in this episode and what we think about some of the new like advantages they've, they've dropped on us. Oh, which they did drop a lot of right off. This is where I get excited. (laughs) So I think what I want to do is, I mean, flying since you said you're excited, I kind of want to just go straight there. And I just want to talk about like what you're most excited about, like what, what is got, What's living in your head right now? Okay, so I should. So what's living in my head is I did not like the last season. 
Right. There was, you, of course, the, 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 there was a, a mess of advantages and confusion and things like that. And I'm expecting that with this season as well. But the first advantage we get to see, the first thing we see with this reward challenge is uh, three of these players getting this opportunity to pick up some weird advantage they don't know um but once they get back and read it off it is the advantage amulet which gives gives all these players these little keys with the with the theming of the season of the the lock into the key in the logo whatever yeah, that means yeah um but the whole concept of it is that these three advantages need to be played together or if they're they're lost for some reason if the person holding them gets voted out then they can just be played however many remain and they get more powerful when there's fewer yes this dynamic like this 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 catch 22 of do you want to work with these people that you just you just talk to or do you want to get them out so you have more power it's it's interesting design yes finally yeah it's it's interesting in that we will really have to like see how it ends up playing off because oh. really like you know for the first little bit you know the advantage isn't really going to get them anything or anywhere that's uh, but that's the other like side of this is they're introducing this in the first episode, and it's not going to come up until the merge. Right, but I yeah. think it's taking the idea that the last season kind of wanted, where it's like, okay, how can we bind people together without a swap? So when we get to the merge, there are a lot of interesting relationships that exist. And it seems like they're still going for the Summit Island thing. But I like the idea of just creating interesting situations uh early in the game like this to pay off later on yeah i i'm a big fan of this advantage as a whole like flying said the design of it is good uh the relationships it builds can pay off later i i'm a big fan it's not it's very specifically not overpowered because it starts out very you know simple it's just a vote and then at most it is an idol um yeah, it's no power yeah no more powerful than like anything that has already been in the game before yeah and the condition and isn't where we are now nearly as like silly or uh-huh. exposing <laughs> as talking about broccoli right and like it has no power until the merge. Yeah. It's just you have a key on you. Mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe you can you can convince someone on your tribe that this is something with power, but right now you just got a, a fancy amulet. <laughs> Trinket. Yeah. Uh also I think what is very funny during this challenge is that they're given the opportunity to like lather themselves in mud and blood. Oh yeah, that that was a crazy <laughs> inclusion into this thing. The the mud bit is funny when High is like, oh we gotta use the blood. It's there's blood all over himself. I'm like, that is that is an insane thing to do here. That makes everything it makes it so hard to believe any of this is real but maybe in the moment 
I think I think Lydia like twice asked Ty, "Are you okay?" Yeah, she, he he <laughs> came back. He came back, and Lydia goes, "Are you bleeding?" <laughs> and I'm just like, "This is maybe not what you want." attention right. called to like it was kind of put there as like a trap or something as a bait but yeah it apparently didn't really turn into a larger storyline i guess yeah which uh, i i can kind of understand because in the moment they have so much stuff going on it's so intense and so exciting that like you know even when you notice it you kind of just have to move on until the end yeah. of the thing and then, you know, if I, at the end of it, it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm okay, then, you know, you kind of just move move on and ignore it. It would have been fun to see somebody take the little urn that the blood was in and just, like, pour it all over. That's what I thought, right? I thought they were going to, like, oh, what's the movie? Annie or something? What? What's the movie where they poured the blood on the girl? I, mean... I don't know what, ref- what you're referring to. I'm sorry. <laughs> I can't believe it. None of you, uh, uh, is Carrie. this like a Heather's thing? Carrie, what? Carrie, uh, the horror okay, movie. okay. I thought they were gonna carry it and do exactly that, where one of them just goes like, "Oh, just shower me in this thing of blood," and just walk out like a like a you know. <laughs> we joked about watching the episode like they just slaughtered a small animal, um, and that was how they had to get their ore. But I was just like, I this is silly. But you know what? It's one of those things where maybe, maybe there's some psychological reaction where going that extra step to be shocking makes mm-hmm. it like register in people's brains less or 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 as more believable than if it was just like a little mud, right? Maybe there's something yeah there. Yeah, I think by the time the mud was spread around, it did look more believable than if it was just like oh i got a little bit of mud on my face yeah if they put it you know in two specific of, of spots right or they're like oh they'll get it on my clothes or whatever right mm-hmm. i think they they did a, a good job <laughs> looking like they had to dig through some some gunk to get there and maybe mm-hmm. slaughter like whoever in the way whoever just laid down in the sand and and you know, rolled around for a minute. Also, that was, that's also good. a good call. Uh, again, just adding the like little detail, you know, to the to the whole story. Um, I still like to. It's still funny that they also all came out at about the same time. You know, again, just lots of little things that add to the suspicion. But I think in the moment, nobody really ever thought that there would be something like that so it's not something right. they have I to bet, really worry about i bet it'll all be fun like watching back the episode live i mean like oh that's what they were on the <laughs> yeah yeah for sure so yeah that's kind of like the start of the episode we, we had the same sort of deal where uh they're starting with nothing and they you know get to earn a flint or whatever which again, as as I and I think we all kind of talked about last season, not that interesting. I I understand why they're doing it in such a like you know shorter time frame, but it is not that interesting to watch. <laughs> like it's 
just unnecessary. Yeah, we don't get too You're... much like benefit as viewers out of like the survival side, and even as well like this episode because everybody does end up like getting flint, and everybody ends up getting fire. The sort of like survival part feels a little inconsequential, I guess. But uh, yeah, uh, while we're still kind of in this early part, I just want to mention something that especially stood out to me for some reason, and I was tracking it through the episode. Uh, when, when Tori first comes out, she has these giant, like, picnic table blue and white pants on, and, like, throughout the episode, you just see them getting more and more dirty, and I just think it's really funny, because they start out so <laughs> vibrant. Yeah, so and clean and the, pristine. The environment just slowly <laughs> tear them apart. <laughs> Truly. So, yeah, it's kind of the, the beginning uh, and then we all split into our tribes and we get the sweat or savvy deal back. And I think this is uh, definitely worth talking about because uh, last time did did both people go for the both, sweat or did the only both one of them? tribes went for sweat? Yeah, but last we saw season. the triangles. Yeah, it, it was that was it, in the preview. They showed the exact same. They showed the exact same shot with like revealing the okay. the banner and like okay. the so we the, knew the same exact know. triangles. But basically, they I guess didn't like that everybody chose sweat, or they at least wanted to make the season different. So they they nerfed the sweat by a lot. Right now yeah. it's one person instead of two people, which is like insane. the same size barrel and everything. And it, last season it felt like they barely managed to do it. I believe last season was two people, two barrels. Oh, really? And this season, one person, one barrel. Well, either way, like, the fact that one person would be isolated is just so much more of, like, a disadvantage for that one person. It makes sense that, you know, nobody would really want to do it. And that's kind of what, like, Mike brings up, too, is, like, you know, obviously on his tribe, if they do sweat, he's going to be the one doing it, and he's going to get cut off from the tribe, so might as well swing for the other one yeah so this is uh this is a pretty interesting moment to me because it totally sold me on like mike as a person and as a player um right the fact that you know him recognizing that he would be the one is kind of obvious but the fact that he was able to push against it and get the tribe to not go that direction pretty quickly i was impressed by yeah it's a really good level of awareness and like leadership in a way and i feel like we see a lot of this in mike through the episode especially compared to how some of the other tribes sort of handle their own dynamics Mm -hmm. uh what so you know so we have both of these tribes uh ignoring the new nerfed sweat challenge well okay hold on really fast we should also say that uh ika won the first challenge so we have yes vati and taku going at this yeah so they both decide to do the triangle challenge and we you know from last season we were shown the shot uh some some geniuses went and figured out the exact amount of triangles being at uh 51 Right, that, that's what we remembered watching Correct. it. Yeah, and you know, I, you know, I tried the challenge, you know, a little loosely. I didn't, you know, spend all three hours on it, but looked at it and like, oh, okay, you know, there's like sixteen triangles here, or whatever. Until I figured out like how you have to really 
count them. But, you know, we imagined, like, even if they're out there, there's no way that they get this. Like, this puzzle is so difficult, and you don't have any, like, digital tools. They didn't even really have paper out there. Like, they had the chalkboard to work on, which I'm curious if, you know, was probably not intended for them to, like, do work on the chalkboard. <laughs> One of the tribes definitely did. Definitely, they were yeah. they were jotting down notes. I mean, you also always have like the sand, right? If you really yeah. need it. But they just keep working at it, working at it, working at it, and both tribes manage to pull it out. Yeah. So in my head, I think neither of these tribes ever get there, right? <laughs> and then MVP of the season, Jenny Kim, comes out of nowhere. <laughs> While the rest of her tribe goes, oh, I think I got it. And she's the one that's like, no <laughs> shot, you guys got it. <laughs> and has to explain to them that, like, here's why it's complicated and here's how it works. Again, another person completely blowing my mind, you know, blowing my expectations out of the water. Uh, and just like... Both drafted by me, of course. Of course. Completely crushing it uh, during this during this like challenge um because jenny like really hard carried it i obviously we don't see all of the the math that goes into it after but like had they not had a jenny they just throw away like 30 or whatever they had and Mm -hmm. call it a day um and so that's also why it's like also very impressive to me that they got this because on the back of somebody that i was like first boot may be the worst player of the season and then <laughs> comes through and does one of the hardest puzzles that we've seen yeah it was it, it was interesting they mentioned like oh if we can't get it then there's no way that taku was ever going to get it mm-hmm. meanwhile taku did manage to pull it out without a jenny yeah uh i don't remember ex- I, I don't we definitely didn't see as much of them i don't think um, mm-hmm. I know that they split up into like three and three, three to do the shelter and then three to do the puzzle. Um, but the, the three managed to get there. Uh, I, I think they, you know, just as a combined three, a good understanding of how it worked, um, mm-hmm. and somehow got there. It is kind of funny that given two guesses on each tribe, uh, one went with 50 and 51 and the other went 51 and 52. Yeah. And just happened to both get it. But yeah, I'm ve- yeah, I'm everyone... genuinely very impressed because again, yeah. when seeing this challenge, I, you know, with the nerfed, uh, sweat, I'm like, they probably take savvy, but like, I don't see a world where either of these tribes gets it. It's so hard and the amount of things that you have to track and remember while also like having this abstract shape understanding is just crazy to me it it, it is still day 1 yeah yeah they they're not like you know dehydrated just yet and they've still got all their mental capabilities yeah for sure but working, like working as a team even me on a full stomach would look at this and go, I would lose track halfway through, right? <laughs> like, mm. it's just so many triangles, dude. <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, I I was very surprised that they they got it that they both got it, but it, it's kind of sick. It's kind of how hype. much time it ended up taking them in the end. Mm-hmm. This is where I hop back and count the grains of sand in the hourglass. Right, CJ. <laughs> of course, of course. I, you look at the angle of I the sun. <laughs> Uh, so one of them, it looks like, like an hour. It didn't take that, it didn't take super long, at most, an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, and I can't see the other one, just hopping around randomly. Oh, okay. Okay, so yeah, that makes sense. They see, I feel like if you know what you're doing and have such a good grasp on it, it probably doesn't take you the three hours unless you want to double, triple, and quadruple check. Uh mm-hmm. But even then, I I can't believe it. So certainly impressive. Everybody ends up with fire, uh, and we kind of kind of get our our typical like, oh, first day of camp, like we'll set up our shelter, and oh no, somebody went out to go find an idol. Oh no. Uh, yeah, th- I, this early camp life feels uh almost too formulaic, <laughs> like yeah, almost. You know, uh, like a parody level of <laughs> this is what Survivor Day One, Episode One, Camp Life is. Right. We have Roxroy, you know, being a little abrasive with the people who are just trying to like vibe out there. Uh, <laughs> we get uh, Tori who goes and, you know, looks at Tarot Root and Idols, and that like kind of turns into a thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we get we also get the return of these little like vignettes of background story on oh, a couple yes. different characters. We get one for Mike. We get one for Marianne. Uh, kind one of sprinkled for Swathy. through here. Yeah, for Swathy, just kind of like giving us a little more context on who they are. I think, I think these are fine. Uh, I think they're fine. They give us opportunity like an opportunity to learn a little bit more about the people outside of the game yeah i think these are 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 great i i think they're great to have like in these early episodes especially to get to know these players even more Mm -hmm. for people who you know aren't listening to podcasts and researching (laughs) who they're gonna draft yeah for sure and i i think uh the first one coming up was a swathy and it really threw me off because again i'm so used to last season being terrible and not having any of this kind of like character development for anyone uh until very late into the season so to have it this early was very uh you know off-putting at first because i was like what does this mean? Is, is swathy going home first? Is, is she going to the end? Like you know my mind starts racing i'm like this is this is this is wrong. <laughs> Something is weird. Um, but yeah, the typical formula is to kind of you know in the day back in the day is is to just kind of have everybody like kind of rolling through, and then when somebody is going to go home, suddenly we start learning more about them and hearing more of their perspective. But at that point, it's already too late, and then they go home, and it's kind of like a self-contained story within the episode. But they're definitely going for more of a kind of sweeping narrative in a way using their characters and i think at the very least 
establishing like a pre-merge story and the post-merge story of who we're kind of like looking at. I'm so happy that everybody on the cast got at least one confessional. Everyone mm-hmm. got at least two, it's... actually. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's, that's people count confessionals in different ways than I do. Sure. But, um, but it's getting to know everybody just enough, just a little bit. I, I love it. Yeah, it really stands out when we have these longer episodes, especially for the premiere. And we just get time to, like, learn about everybody. And we get time to learn about, like, the dynamics within the tribe. And it's it's nice. Like, if you watch all of the premieres, like, back-to-back, they'll all kind of end up sort of, like, blending together in a way. But it's just exciting to have, like, a new group of people who you know you're going to be stuck with for, you know, a couple months and seeing, like, what it's all about yeah for sure it's always exciting um talking about like specific people going back to specific tribe dynamics and events uh i do want to talk about roxroy a bit um because we mentioned all right and uh let's break down roxroy my my first pick in the draft your first pick and again it feels like a parody of survivor it feels like Roxroy <laughs> read the book on, all right, you want to be a leader. Here's how to do it. And then ignored everything in that rule book because my God, <laughs> he is the most stereotypical archetypal bossy leader that we've seen in survivor mm-hmm. in a while. And somehow wasn't the first boot. Um, but the, the main thing I want to talk about is how we have the these two guys that are a part of the same uh, archetype. We have Mike and Roxroy. Right, the older, you know, tough-looking, like, seeming like they're going to be intimidating and bossy and blah, blah, blah. Um, that's their archetype. But we have two yeah. wildly different ends of the spectrum here where Roxroy is doing literally everything... I won't say wrong, but like doing everything that you would expect this kind of person to do. And then you have Mike on the complete other side, who's like breaking the mold of what, you know, he can be within this archetype, right? He's very sensitive, very like aware of his feelings, of other people's feelings. And is like smart and blah, blah, blah. And has like, you know, it's very... Just sensitive to everything, very light, and yet I would say he looks more like he'd be the bossy one. Um, and so it's just really interesting to like within one cast have this vastly different, uh, t- two vastly different examples of the same archetype. Yeah, it it plays out in a really interesting way, and really I want these. You know, like they're all on the same season, but it almost makes me hope for like a crossover. <laughs> and I really want to see Mike and Roxroy interact mm-hmm. and see what that relationship really looks like. That would be interesting. Because... Matt, like, like, um, like at the merge, or are you thinking like a summit I, visit I, just to see these two together? I don't know why this thought is coming to me, but the idea of just like taking one of these characters and just like 
dropping them on another tribe <laughs> i feel like it's just a really interesting concept uh maybe hearkening back to uh survivor china when they did like prisoners <laughs> um not necessarily that should be a thing but i don't know i just want to see now that we have like access to all these people i want to see how they interact with each other <laughs> more in a way because it, it felt like i don't know i don't know why this feels different like i want to say it felt like they were also separated the whole time and like they were all you know their own individual groups but that's like literally what the show is so i don't know why <laughs> this is uh just getting back into the survivor formula yeah I, th- I think that's it i think it's just fun and different it feels fresh like the season feels fresh it feels less uh maybe I'm less closed off to this season after last season because they're kind of trying to do things better this time. That's what it kind of feels like. Like we had Jeff still check in with us at the beginning, but he wasn't checking in with us like three times in the episode, right? We didn't have Jeff like being like, all right, welcome to tribal council. This is where the magic happens. It was just at the beginning, like, hey, like, welcome back. Like, he does this every season, right? We always talk to Jeff at the beginning of the season. Yeah. Mm. I I agree that things seem to be going better. Um, I'm not totally sold yet because (laughs) they have every opportunity to throw that away. I also wouldn't particularly say it feels that fresh. I think it is just... The fact that Survivor is back, because again, as we mentioned, everything kind of felt like the most, oh right, this is, you know, each bullet point that a Survivor episode needs to, or a first episode of Survivor needs to hit, is hit. And, you know, there's not a lot of surprise or anything like that. It's definitely not a bad episode by any means, but I'm still a little i'm still keeping my reservations going I think, forward i think maybe i just have a like internal conflict between like i really like survivor i think it's a really fun show with like a good format and it's been you know kind of proven time and time again to be like entertaining and engaging and interesting and it's kind of striking up against uh what they've been doing in some of these recent seasons that just makes it less enjoyable to watch. And I think it's like, I'm at a point where I'm just so filled with hope that this will be a good season, that it unfortunately is probably only downhill from here. (laughs) But there was nothing in this premiere episode that immediately brought concern to me. That's how they always get you. But, uh, you know, I reserve my judgment for uh, for future episodes, I, I guess. I don't know. I, I came into the season with as low expectations as I could. And the start of this, this first episode was really fantastic. Yeah, and I loved it. it. Maybe, maybe my expectations were just and low. Then, and, then, and then, you know, they got to the immunity challenge. And then it was like, oh, yeah, this is Survivor. Okay. <laughs> i don't have a team to draft here i i'm not super invested anymore <laughs> right well i mean who who because you have less of this like intrinsic bias who kind of caught your attention the most this episode 
Okay, let's see because I don't I don't recognize these people. <laughs> um Okay, so I I did I did listen in a little bit on the draft episode and I did hear what you had to say about Daniel Strunk over here. Love that guy. Um <laughs> He got a lot of screen He's time. great. He's really funny. Yeah. Um but I don't know if he's going to win. I don't know. Yeah, so I I guess uh if you don't mind we can kind of go person by person as you mentioned them. Uh cuz Daniel is an is an interesting one uh, beyond just being like a fun character with like you know a good story uh he was also one that we were concerned about in terms of how he would be perceived by his tribe and if they would be yes. you know off put by yeah. him or totally accepting if they would vibe with him and stuff like that and uh I think he pulled a really good tribe cuz it Seems yeah, this is a like... very positive environment. Like, this tribe is just very... It's, like, a nice place to be. Everybody seems really friendly, really accepting of each other. But yeah. I think Daniel might be, like, in the worst spot on this tribe. <laughs> and I don't remember exactly... I, I know at one point Chanel, like, broke down the, the duos. But I remember, you know, like, Hi and Lydia as, as a duo that I thought was interesting. But... I feel like if if Vati loses an immunity challenge soon, that Daniel is kind of just like their best option for somebody to vote out because, you know, he already had like the shoulder issue uh, that we haven't talked too much about yet, but the shoulder issue in the beginning of the episode. And ultimately he doesn't bring too much to the table in challenges that uh, other people don't already. And, uh, you know, he just doesn't have like a really tight number two, even if everybody is, you know, happy to have him around. I think it'd be, you know, sort of like interesting and tragic if Daniel just kind of gets voted out. Yeah, I see what you mean. I'm not sure how you how you all feel about that. It just like can, I like looking at the the groups here and thinking like, okay, if the, if this group goes to tribal, like who's going home next? And I have plenty of thoughts for Ika. Uh, not too much for for taku at this time but i think vadi is in a really like interesting spot here yeah and and maybe i'm still biased but like i can also still see a a four two split happening here with um the younger four and then getting out Mm -hmm. you know mike or jenny um because i think again looking at the duos that chanel talked about the high lydia Hi, Lydia could get either of the other two, really. Um, I feel like the the hardest would be like Jenny and Mike trying to get Chanel and or Daniel. I think Hi, mm-hmm. Lydia can get kind of whoever they want. Yeah, they're like in a really perfect spot right in the middle of the, the tribe here. Yeah, and so like... I wouldn't necessarily say that them going to like Daniel and Chanel is more likely um because I, I just don't think we've seen like the enough of the dynamics with the rest of them yet but that's a possibility um I I have a really hard time seeing Daniel go this 
early, right? With because he just seems these like people. such a survivor character, right? And uh, like, okay, you know, again, I not to go too much into editing, but like, if I look at the tribe and just like from what we've seen, it really feels like Chanel goes earlier than kind of anybody else. Like again, Did you just say that because we've heard the least amount of personal like content from her. I think we've just heard. I think she maybe. I I can't because I, can't. I th- because I think that means that she almost might be set up the best because we will have to learn about her, you know, quote unquote later, which means you know at the moment it feels like she's not on the chopping block like that's kind of how i feel uh you know our modern u.s survivor is like handling things now is they kind of at least for what i got from 41 is like they take the time to build up the stories of the people who are going home in the pre-merge in the pre-merge and then when we get to the merge we have like some foundation set up but they still have room to develop those characters mm-hmm. uh, through the second half of the season. So I actually feel like Chanel has a pretty good chance to stick around like in Erica, right? Stick around and just kind of say her piece on the tribe or put little influences in there and you know we'll hear more from Chanel later when it's more important. Yeah, I I could totally see that. I guess my other concern is that, as she pointed out, it doesn't seem like she has a place in the relationships on the tribe, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe, you know, maybe that's a sort of, like, Chantel POV, where we sort of see these pairs from like this outside perspective but really the outside perspective is like the the true strategist the true mastermind and it's just that on paper it seems like they're in a bad spot when they're really Mm -hmm. not you know just because oh they have duos therefore they're stronger when that might not be the case so i could also see that as like a situation where chanel totally thrives um in that like even if she doesn't have that tight duo like the the four that do, um, mm-hmm. maybe that's a place where she can like you know fly under the radar under these duos, but still use them to her advantage. Yeah, so a body I feel like is just in a really interesting spot, and part of that is because we have been kind of cued into like the dynamics going on over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then for like Ika, you know, we've been shown these through the natural course of the episode, but Taku, I think is actually kind of in like an unknown spot for me. Like we see Marianne and Omar kind of wor- working together loosely, which you identified in the draft, but everybody else feels like they're kind of like in just an ambiguous sort of space. Yeah. So they go to tribal. I just, I like can't really predict like what happens there. It is very very weird and I feel like we get the least amount of time with getting an understanding of that because of so much focus on Jackson. Um mm-hmm. and yeah, I think that that's just the reason. I think so much of their tribe time gets spent on Jackson, you know, rightfully so, 
with how much yeah. things and how much story and survivor stuff happens surrounding him. Um, but you know, that just makes it hard to understand where like Jonathan's lie, Jonathan's allegiances lie. Right. Lindsay right. and, uh, Maria have something going on, you know, in, and we don't know what they're thinking. Um, mm-hmm. So we just don't we just don't get the time with with any of these individual people to know like what they're thinking. We get like vague things again, like you said, Marion and Omar. But like, is that a solid thing? You know, what's any of their relationships to Jonathan, to Lindsay, to Maria, whatever? Mm-hmm. So does this end up like a a Luvu, you know, a Blue Tribe situation from last season where we don't spend too much time over here because they just like keep winning challenges and like they never have to vote anybody out so it like doesn't matter what their dynamics are or is it just something they're saving for you know an episode they do go to tribal and they want to like wait to break everything down then that one's hard to know that one's yeah that one's very hard to know i think it would be too weird because the thing is marianne is going to be such a huge part of this pre-merge like without a doubt and i think it'd be Mm -hmm. very weird for them to put so much focus on her without establishing anything else. And like, maybe they still do that because again, the Luvu had so much focus on Nasir and that was kind of it. Um, Yeah. Also, you know, we've had our long episode here, but uh, when we go into our normal length episode next week, uh, you know, it could be the same thing where it's like, oh, we go and we check in with uh, Taku and, oh, Mar- you know, Marianne says something funny and then, all right, let's move on. Yeah, that's totally possible. Um, of course, I hope not because yeah. I have three of them <laughs> and I'd like to have some kind of, you know, security in my, well, my choices. But if they just yeah, win, win, that's kind of what you you want. Then you get that points. That is true. That is true. <laughs> Well, uh, I do think we, you know, since we've kind of like made our way over here, I feel like we can take this opportunity to uh, dive into, uh, you know, kind of a unique story being told here on Survivor, Jackson. or at least in the presentation of it uh, with Jackson, because, because yeah, we don't spend too much time with like the, uh, the dynamics and the interactions on uh, Taku. Instead, we kind of like get this campfire bedtime story from from jackson uh just kind of going over his sort of you know history is life and it's nice to have this in sort of like an organic or like diegetic way compared to a lot of these other background stories which have been mostly told like through confessionals Mm -hmm. Uh, it's it's neat to have the story told in this way told by firelight to the rest of the camp right so like that is kind of the majority of like our first check-in with taku uh and then we do you know the summit island and we can touch on that later but then you know we, uh, on day three uh everyone's hanging out and jeff dun, dun, is dun. coming the up dreaded to camp jeff visit and you know there, there was like one quick line where somebody was like Oh, you know, you're like you're dizzy or something. Yeah, like, you should drink water or something like as that's Some, happening. Somebody said y- y- you've been dizzy for like ten hours. Yeah, yeah. Like 
you need to get some water and that's that's the editor's cue to <laughs> cut jeff into this shot yeah so jeff pulls up he uh you know takes takes jackson aside and they have this uh you know conversation uh, where jeff is doing the best he can to you know not necessarily be vague but just be respectful about the sort of topic they're going over um but you know jackson is is really open in this discussion and i think it's really it's just really interesting how this plays out and how it sort of connects to uh the story that we were getting the uh you know night or two before uh but you know ultimately i i feel like we don't really need to get to like to in the weeds or specific here necessarily but you know it, it results in jackson just being removed from the game yeah which is you know surprising like it's it was kind of intended to be a double boot episode anyways but just having you know not necessarily like an emergency medevac or uh you know like oh emergency at home like we gotta get you out of here you know it's just like you know we need to be careful and for that yeah it's like you're going home They've been watching the situation, and at this point, three days in, they're not comfortable. And like, okay, that's odd. It, yeah, it, it's it's a little strange watching, but I do think it it makes sense. And I feel like Jeff explains it through very well. Like, you know, given the you know the order of the information and in the way it was presented, uh, you know, they decided to you know go through it with, with having. Jackson on the season and he, he did have a you know a really interesting story to tell and he did seem to kind of you know shine in in his presence on camera but uh it just wasn't viable really to like keep him on the season especially you know like COVID you know still at the, at the time especially is, is such a big deal like if anything does go wrong they might not have access to what they would need to you know make the situation better and it would be really bad to have another really uh you know serious medical situation happen on the show that could have been prevented so i totally understand the process here that production kind of went through yeah ultimately it's the the right thing to do it just sucks you know in in the context of the game it sucks for the tribe for you know a great character and whatnot um it also sucks just because of the you know the fact that he's the first openly transgender survivor player and he gets (laughs) uh kicked from the game almost immediately and that really sucks (laughs) um and there's this weird like i am glad that he was on the show and they got to tell this really, you know, beautiful story about um, his transition, how it, you know, um, affected his his relationship with his dad, his mom, but how it ended up um, all coming together and whatnot. And, it, you know, it, it's very sweet, very beautiful. Um, and so, like, getting that kind of story out there at all is important and it's a big deal um it just again sucks that that's all it's gonna end up being that that's all we get 
from this because, season. Because, like, again, it, it would <laughs> would have been so fun. Because, like, as I said, I didn't draft Jackson because he was too sweet. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I still wanted him to, like, I, I wanted to see what he could do. Do well, you know, through... last on the season a bit. Yeah, because, like, you know, despite me not really believing that it would be enough, I would have been super interested to see how he builds relationships, how those, you know, how he makes connections and, and whatnot um, to make it late into the game. Um, and then to see, you know, a much bigger story be told than just him coming on the show, doing a lore dump, essentially, and, and then leaving. <laughs> um, but again, the fact that it happened at all is a good thing ultimately so i you know don't have too much negative to say about it other than that it sucks as just a, a whole situation mm -hmm. it, at least you know we get at least get the opportunity to have like a unique story in terms of like content and presentation on the show and even if it's not really fully in the spirit of competition it makes the viewing experience interesting so I thought it was it was fine. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think the uh the actually there's a couple more people that I want to mention specifically. Um sure. Tori is so much more than I could have ever hoped for. <laughs> and my god, is it going to be fun? I we I, we talked about it pretty specifically too that like if she can manage this, like, I'm going to play low-key and, you know, really play to my strengths as a person and, you know, as a therapist and whatever, blah, 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 and really, but but hone in the, like, personality that might, you know, be a bit too much, then she can do really great. Also, she can do exactly what she did, which is play way too hard, way too quickly at the first mention of her name which we very specifically said could happen and <laughs> i couldn't believe how hard she was throwing the game and again in combination with roxroy i am baffled that neither of these two people went first because like right it's like two formulas for like perfect first boot right typical first boot and yeah and they just around they just did <laughs> everything wrong they literally did every single thing that like you should not do on day one survivor and yet they survive yeah, i think it's i think it's really interesting the sort of presentation that tori was especially like putting into her preseason interviews and press and everything and how much that has just falling apart a couple of days In on the instantly yeah and and so i'm left here like <laughs> so unbelievably excited to watch tori because yeah, tori i was like a fun entertaining character <laughs> i want her to get so far into the game as just a complete mess you know i want the <laughs> Who who's who's the other one? Who's your favorite girl? Angelina. Angelina, Angelina from I, David versus Goliath. Yes, I just want <laughs> another Angelina to watch live. Right? Oh God, it would be so much fun. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's 
it's a fun episode especially for like you know when we, when we get to the end of the episode you know it, it tori is you know at least from my eyes is just shown to be like so much of like a mess and makes so many like survivor mistakes right uh and still manages to hang in there even if she was like an option you know she didn't get any votes at, at tribal mm-hmm. so yeah tori, tori is a, a fun character and uh, someone will be looking forward to uh watching their antics in uh future episodes yeah uh, the last person I'll specifically mention, um, another <laughs> bit of a mess, but in a very different way, is uh, Lydia, who has uh, instantly become my favorite person. Um, just like, again, it's a very archetypal person. The, you know, never been outside in their life kind of person, but the the little one-liners that they threw in about how she's like, I'm two days in and I still haven't cried. I was just like, this is, <laughs> this is great. I love this human so much. <laughs> um, and so I, I hope to also see more of Lydia going forward because I think, mm-hmm. uh, you know, we have plenty of fun characters again between like Lydia, Marianne and Tori to go to content and confessionals for, but all very, very, very different. Um, yeah, I think Liddy's gonna be fun if she sticks around. There, there's one note I want to make about about the first four minutes. Uh-huh. Uh, Lydia has a confessional. I was hoping you would bring this up. <laughs> yes, and it's like I, they never like do jump cuts yeah, in confessionals. Really, editing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad they they pulled it out just for her here, just to just to to list off yeah and it's it's oh. it's like a subtle thing that you have like you might notice it feels different without like really getting into the details of it but yeah it's just very representative of like a different style <laughs> and it, it's fun to see that expressed in a show like survivor it reminds me and if yeah fits. it totally fits it also reminds me so clearly of um christian when he's you know talking on on the yes. the endurance thing, right? It's it's not smash cut, but it's the same kind of feel where they represent this person just going on and on and on about whatever, you know, with these like cuts in between, you know, this super long spiel, and you only get these little out of context bits. Um, and I again, if she's anywhere near like christian's level of of character (laughs) i am here for it right yeah in in the way that you know pulling back to last season right we like kind of had like evie in the spot a little bit uh you know who was interesting uh, as a character but i feel like wasn't really like fully utilized or at the very least, just didn't have quite as much energy as this. And it's not a bad thing, but, you know, when you're watching a TV show, it's fun to have, uh, you know, a sort of a heightened level of enthusiasm like this. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll see where where Lydia ends up going. Okay, well, we, we've kind of traveled uh, across 
a good portion of the cast. And I feel like most, for the most part, the people we haven't talked about are really just like the people who hadn't gotten too much of a chance to be really highlighted uh, in the episode. However, uh, I do think we need to, you know, take some time to go over uh, Zach here. Yeah. Not really mentioned up to this point. (laughs) Uh, Zach, I mean, he's having lots of fun out there. I can tell you that much. Yeah, Um, it's so unfortunate obviously because he's on my tribe but also because like again (laughs) this feels like mostly a result of him telling tori and tori kind of blowing it up not necessarily directed at him but Mm -hmm. it ends up at him you know for one reason or another um, and yeah, I it's, think... it's an interesting way of like him not necessarily like having a huge misplay. It just kind of shook out this way, and I think it's I think it's interesting too. the The closest comparison I draw is to uh, Jacob Derwin in Ghost Island, which I know you're not as familiar with. Flying, did you ever watch Ghost Island? No, neither of you are as familiar with, (laughs) but it's almost a similar story where you have, you know, the super fan archetype on the show. And he, you know, I'm pretty sure Jacob may have also done the thing where, like, he says Jeff's line for him when they first get to tribal (laughs) about fire. Right. Uh Jacob has much more of a meltdown episode that I feel like we might need to revisit at some point. But Jacob basically does have big misplays compared to Zach, who does kind of play a little more intelligently, but is just put into the situation of like losing this first immunity challenge and, you know, really being just not really fully physically there. Uh, just kind of all culminated in, in him going out. Yeah. And it's surprising because this was somewhat predictable in a way but i did imagine it being romeo who goes out here instead of zach well so here here's the other thing that's really important and something we haven't mentioned because it's um you know who could you know who could forget the summits that we have to see every single episode but Uh drea goes to the summit risk her vote right and she has to play this vote understanding that she might not have a vote. So mm-hmm. I think if that's not the case, she gets to push way harder against, uh, I believe it was Roxroy. Um, yeah, Tori and Drea were kind of initially thinking that, that Roxroy would be the move. Yeah, and I I really feel like if she didn't have to go with Romeo um, and Swathy, didn't didn't have to didn't play have to safe. play it safe and go with the numbers because you might just not have a vote, then this vote shakes out differently because it, you know you get Zach and Drea and Tori against Roxroy, and all you need to do is convince Romeo or Swathy or grip your um, extra vote. Right, and 
I don't think that that situation ever ends up on Zack. Um, at least not without like a tie or something, you know, something else weird going on. Um, and so it's the correct play by Drea to consider that and play it the way that she does. It just sucks (laughs) because I wanted Roxray out instead of Zack. Yeah. It's sort of like a tragic story. I read, I read at one point, and I forget if this was just like a random Reddit comment or where I saw it, but it was like the idea that Survivor kind of likes to make fools out of their super fans. And it's kind of strange, like logic in a way, but it's an interesting situation where like most of the people on the season have seen like every season of Survivor. But Zach is the one who is very specifically like the Survivor super fan. Right. You know what it is? I think mm-hmm. it's the like, it's that feeling you get when you watch somebody be bad at a video game. It instantly makes you want to play the video <laughs> game because you know that you would do it better. Right? Mm-hmm. When they bring on like this big nerdy super fan and they just like, you know... Zach doesn't necessarily blunder, but, you know, one might blunder and burn out really, really quickly, go out first, go out second, go out pre-merge, whatever. What other super fans think is, <laughs> that wouldn't be me, though. I'm built different. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I would have I ne- never made that play. Yeah, it's also kind of, you know, an interesting message. And I think it might also be saying, like, hey, you don't have to be like a huge super fan to win in fact it might actually work against you uh as maybe just kind of a way to make casting seem less intimidating (laughs) maybe uh it's sort of an interesting like meta reasoning that that goes on for sure but alas results speak for themselves don't pull a word don't pull a word burger we lost the we lost the great last name today. It's true, and also you know, rel- I mean, kind of the the end of the first half of our draft, but you know, pre- pretty early pick. Uh, yeah, my second. That if I had gone back, like I probably would have would have picked in the Roxroy spot, maybe. So glad I didn't. Roxroy saves me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> A little surprisingly. Yeah. So, you know, there's Blue Tribe. That going forward for Blue Tribe, uh, it's really interesting. It feels like the targets would probably either be, like, Tori or Romeo, maybe Roxroy. If, like, Drea and Tori want to do Roxroy, then they kind of have to go up against, or they have to convince Romeo or Swathy. And it seemed like neither of them really want to get rid of Roxroy. But I don't know if Romeo, Swathy, and Roxroy would be as willing to get rid of Tori because they seemed a little more hesitant this episode. Uh, So I'm curious just how things kind of shake out here in the future. My guess is that Romeo is actually open to getting rid of Roxroy because the specific thing he said when Drea brought it up to him was like, I forget the exact wording, but basically saying, we can't get rid of him right now. 
Like, we can't do it now. Um, mm-hmm. Which seems, you know, sounds very specifically to me like he understands that Roxroy is one of the very early targets should they need one. He just mm-hmm. didn't want to get him out this vote because uh, his strength is too important. Kind of ironically, after they turbo <laughs> yeah. lost the last challenge, but, you know, whatever. I, I am curious there how confident Romeo feels with his spot on the tribe if it's if they do get rid of Roxworth and then it's Tori, Drea, Swathy, and Romeo. I'm curious if he would feel confident enough that someone like Swathy would be picked to go home before him. But then if they go again, right, then it's Tori, Drea, and Romeo, where Romeo just goes home. Yeah. So I'm curious if he will try to act preventatively in that way, where if he can get Roxroy and Swathy against, like, a Tori, if that would be preferable to him. Mm-hmm. Because his original alliance was Roxroy, Romeo, and Drea. But... I'm curious how much Drea will kind of let slip that she's willing to just go against that group. Yeah, I am also curious what this, like, Tori-Drea relationship is. Because yeah. it seemed like they were going to be pretty antagonistic to each other, just based on the, mm-hmm. like, you know, rumors and whatnot. But Tori bringing it up ended up working out for her, because it seemed like they built a bit of a a bond there. Um, and yeah, for for Drea, it's really good because she has the option which way she wants to go, and she has the option of having you know a tight number as well to re- like rely on. Mm-hmm. Because you know the alliance of two is probably stronger than an alliance of three, uh, at least in the loyalty to each other. Yeah, because it, um, it really and doesn't. I know they were both. They were both people in the pre-merge who said like they were really looking for someone to like partner up with. So I'm I feel like that would be an opportunity for them to sort of take and run with here. Yeah, and it really doesn't I don't see a world where like Roxbury, Romeo and Swathy are the ones running the tribe. Right? Exactly. I it makes so much more sense that Tori Drea pull in whoever they need to get rid of whoever they want. And they mm-hmm. kind of just have to go with it or you know, that one goes to the other two and says, oh, they're trying to vote you out, let's all vote together. But then, you know, again, what's preventing one of the other ones from just going with Tori Drea, right? Yeah, so no matter who ends up going to Tribal next episode, I feel like it is going to be interesting. I feel like nothing is really going to be clear-cut yet. Yeah, uh, especially, I guess we haven't talked too much about it and to what extent do we need to, uh, but we have our Summit Island thing. Oh, yeah, our again. favorite. Can't wait to see uh, this every single episode. Which, yeah, we'll probably continue to come up. It's the same deal as 41. Uh, we get three people from each tribe or one person from each tribe. They go to the same island. They walk the same path. And they get the same prisoner's dilemma choice. Which which, which still isn't the prisoner's dilemma, but, you know. Right. <laughs> uh, so this time it was, uh, let's see off the top of my head, it was, it was Jenny, 
It was Jenny, Marianne, and Drea. Drea and Marianne. Yeah. Uh, so like there, you know, if you're making a a web chart with pushpins and yarn, <laughs> you can connect those three. Uh, and how it shakes out is Jenny goes home with nothing, but Drea and Marianne each have an extra vote. Yeah. Um, the the other thing with the summit is that we didn't see any kind of relationships built here. Because you think back mm-hmm. to the, the other summits, and we had um, Chantel and Liana late. We had Evie and uh, Deshaun. Deshaun early. And, you know, that one didn't pay out that significantly but yeah, like it really didn't come into play at all but it, it was something right it, we spent a lot of time the, the notion that it could be <laughs> important yeah versus yeah this one which just seemed very like respectful and political but no like oh my goodness you are the missing sister i've been looking for yeah <laughs> I, I i genuinely cannot even remember a single thing that they said to each other other than like their names mm-hmm and so it's just, it's like, again, I know why we are spending time on this, but like, at a certain point, why are we doing this <laughs> again and again and again? And, you know. I, yeah, it, I really like it. It came out as like an excuse for uh, telling like Marianne's story, which sure, but like, we don't really need to have the Summit Island to do that. Like everybody else, you can kind of just do it. <laughs> yeah because i mean yeah that's what they did with swathy just like off rip we talked to her yeah. once and they just <laughs> lord dump us like that and it's like <laughs> i don't think we need to i don't think they need an excuse to to tell us about these people mm-hmm. okay well we've uh kind of worked our way around the episode through uh the people on the season uh do either of the two of you have any other like final things you want to bring up about like the episode itself before we move on? Okay. So, <laughs> uh, typically, at, uh, at this point, we will go from here to points. However, today we actually have a voicemail to listen to. Uh, if you're listening now and you are interested in the idea of voicemails, if you go over to rngshow.com, it'll bring you to our anchor page. And there's actually an option there to leave us a voice message. If you are so interested, uh, we might play it on the podcast and respond to it. So, uh, without further ado, uh, <laughs> this uh, this voicemail comes from Jimmer, a friend of the podcast and someone who has uh, been on it. Probably will be a special guest down the line. Of course, uh, me and Jimmer together form uh, Blockbuster Definition as of season 41, uh, if you want to go uh hear our story <laughs> it's also over on uh rng show <laughs> okay here's the voicemail hey everyone the jimmer here i just wanted to ask you a question since we're already in episode one and i wanted to ask you this while you we were pretty close to preseason predictions basically this question goes out to all of you are there any predictions you want to gloat that you were either completely right or completely wrong about and you just wanted to rub it in everyone's face. All right. Uh, thanks for the the voicemail, Jimmer, uh, who's asking about our you know the predictions. And of course, we you know we recorded some 
predictions here about you know first boo soul survive everything that you know it kind of speaks for itself at the, this point but uh i think what's i think what the most fun thing at least from my perspective here is is just how much uh it seemed like fred was ready to discount uh jenny and mike and then how much they've kind of like turned themselves around yeah it is hilarious i also the other one is uh definitely tori like i mentioned how specifically we said there were two options here (laughs) and one of them is very bad and one of them is fine but hard and then the other one exactly happened as we predicted right i think it's interesting that none of us ended up uh picking jackson for our uh fantasy team yeah a sort of and we can definitely yeah it's just an interesting coincidence that you know we can maybe talk about more in a future episode as well uh but it's kind of nice like if anybody is just going to be sent home it's no one that is kind of negatively affecting any of our like fantasy experience because it's kind of an outside the game kind of thing yeah a sort of inherent prediction from all of us by not drafting jackson um right again just a a very wild coincidence especially with some some suspicious (laughs) picks uh throughout this draft i i was very surprised that nobody picked him up but it worked out again some mm-hmm. sort of in some f- feeling from the aether told all of us not to not to draft him right and uh yeah i, I feel like also just the episode was more enjoyable than i kind of expected it to be yeah so it, it was a nice 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 little surprise uh, of course you know rock Swore kind of fell into the trap of being the leaderist leader but what can i say he's he was kind of fun (laughs) fun to yell at Uh uh-huh okay so again thanks for the voicemail you can if you're a listener you can send those in yourself uh let's now go on to points so we've just been talking about the episode itself so far but you know we do have you know these teams for a reason according to our (laughs) <laughs> ever-growing list of rules uh just to ensure the maximum Goodness. amount of uh you know fidelity in our uh estimation of each contestant's worth in the context of a game of survivor the rules are getting longer and longer <laughs> and at some point i'm just gonna have to retype them to to make them more clear so, uh I feel like it's hard to just briefly go over our rules, but essentially everything that happens in the game that's, you know, usually either related to challenges or advantages is what we lean on the most. Um, there are so, there, there's basically some sort of point anything value. other than basically anything other than confessionals. We're trying to score 
in in some metric so that we can award these players and you know the hosts that pick them and these are all things that will be successful survivors these are all things that will you know always usually be shown in the episode so it's nothing that's like oh you know they get a couple points if they make a fire or you know something like that no uh so (laughs) everything other than the survivor part of survivor so if if you want to go through and like (laughs) the specific breakdown of all of our rules uh that is also on the spreadsheet in its own rule tab uh additionally uh we were still a little bit in in progress in the draft episode when it came to the concept of chance dice uh so flying since you're here do you want to just like quickly uh sort of break down like what's the deal with with chance dice and like how might we use them over the course of the season Okay, so chance dice are the gimmick of the season, which started to D6s, but they get larger and larger. But the gimmick is that later in the season, when they do get larger, you have to roll them. So maybe you'll lose them. So it's kind of gamble. Do you want to try and score in extra points for your players doing better? Or do you want to try and wait and have them grow larger and get extra points through that? Uh, I also want to have them as a resource for both the redraft and as a sort of tax once we get into the finale episode. Yeah, so there's some benefit to using them. There's some (laughs) benefit to holding on to them. Uh, there's a couple things that can give you chance dice, like getting an advantage or winning a challenge or having a player voted out in the pre-merge. But uh, that all aside, uh, looking at all the points and how they're broken down for episode one, uh, from the top, everybody gets an episode point just for being on the episode. Uh, and those will eventually go up later in the season after the merge. And then... For challenges, you get a different amount of points, whether you were first or second place in a challenge. Um, Also, notably, we were giving out points for anybody who succeeded in the Sweat or Savvy challenge. So that's why uh, there's some threes for uh, the Ika tribe who won the actual challenge. And there's a bunch of ones for everybody else because they all figured out that there were plenty of triangles <laughs> so then we got the immunity wins in there first and second place uh then there are advantage points given out to uh drea Lindsay, and high because they were given the advantage in that first reward challenge <laughs> yeah and then because they decided as a team let's let's take an advantage right. and then when it comes to the <laughs> summit island uh, Marianne, Drea, and Jenny each get three points for going to the island and kind of participating in that event. And then Marianne and Drea get two points because they took the risk in the prisoner's dilemma wheel. And Jenny only got one point because she did not take the risk. So that's. But Jenny does get you a chance die for not taking yes. a risk. So really, that is. You know, it could be worth more points later on, or maybe the you know it'll catch up for them if they get their uh, advantage play points, which is a thing. Uh, and then additionally, uh, Zach played his shot in the dark, so he gets some advantage play points for that. Notably, uh, nobody other than <laughs> Zach got a vote, so nobody got any votes 
received and safe points. A truly unanimous vote. Right. Yeah. Also, for somebody so, being what, voted out first, I was surprised at how many points Zach got me here. Yeah, you know, for a first boot, it, it could have been worse. For sure. And I would know. Because I've only had the right. first boot in <laughs> yeah. all draft seasons that we've done so far. <laughs> so we can expect next season, whoever, uh, you know, of the people you pick, one of them is going to be the first boot. Correct. We'll keep that in mind. Correct. And also, similarly, like previous seasons, uh, in, yeah. in last so, place soar, in points here. To a <laughs> poor start here. Why? I don't know. It, it's not like Soaring is significantly worse than the rest of us. I feel like his team is fine. Soaring, notably, also is uh, Jimmer's number one pick in the power rankings <laughs> of our draft, for what that's worth. Nothing. Uh, I've, so never, Soaring... I've never, se- I've never <laughs> wow. seen a man be so wrong. <laughs> Soaring earned 17 <laughs> points in this episode. A respectable amount. Well. However... Uh, <laughs> it just didn't have too much going on. Uh, next up is me. Uh, my team has been affectionately named the vertebral column. Uh, each team member representing a vertebrae. Yeah, because you're a uh, psychopath. We earned, <laughs> we earned 23 points and we got a chance to die this episode. Good job, team. Um, then next up is the refrigerators. <laughs> Who, uh, if you couldn't quite uh, sort through that, uh, is Fred's team uh, earned 26 points and a chance die this episode. Hell Good yeah. for you. And coming out Thank you. <laughs> uh, on top for this episode, though not earning any chance die, uh, is TB with 28 points. Uh, thanks especially to Drea, who was really kind of just like had you know, her fingers and all the advantage pies of this episode. Yeah. Crushed it this episode. So, uh, I would say what the actual totals are, but it's episode one. So those are the actual totals, uh, over on the results tab of the spreadsheet. You can kind of see a, you know, a breakdown of all the numbers, um, both in per episode, uh, cumulatively, we have a graph that right now, is just you know a bunch of points but eventually we will have more points on the graph and it will show our progress throughout the season uh and it also will just kind of show the order of people vote out of the game or removed from the game and who is kind of losing the most people when is is sometimes interesting to see also shows our total of chance die yeah uh speaking of that i despite losing a person which will impact points of course in terms of like this specific episode i still consider myself in the best point position because i think the chance because it's only a two point difference right but the chance die is so many points potentially it's like it's like three and a half yeah, and also the usefulness of it when we do get, excuse me, when we do get to something like the uh, redraft where they become a sort of currency that will influence our ability to uh, 
have a favorable outcome of that redraft. For sure. I also want to say, speaking of that, I love the idea of a redraft. I think even outside of like <laughs> all of the, the wacky shenanigans we're doing with this season, I think the idea of a redraft at some point in a season is a really nice way to, you know, just level up the playing field again. Because, mm-hmm. you know, one big flaw with uh, our fantasy is just somebody loses too many people in a row and it becomes very unexciting for that one person, right? If it happens later in the season, then whatever. But, like, you know, losing two or three people early really puts a and damper then, yeah, and on... being knocked out for the entire season yeah. is unfortunate, so... I think I think it'll be really fun. Uh, it'll give us a chance to pick people when we all have sort of a level amount of knowledge about them. Mm-hmm. And we will all kind of be sent back to having three people each. Even if, you know, Fred, even if you lose, uh, you know, two more people and, you know, Soaring loses two people or something, you know, when we go to the redraft, we'll all go back to three. So it's kind of a, a chance for everything to come back to rest yeah for sure speaking of uh losing people uh i really need the orange stripe to to win challenges again uh because (laughs) now i am pure orange all in i am all in on the talking tribe well that would be like a good opportunity here to uh to set up some trades but we got Unfortunately, it's just, here, it's just so. you two. <laughs> uh, yeah. But hey, I'll put it out in the world. If TB wants Lydia for somebody, I'll consider it. Interesting. I'm going to type this down, and then maybe at the start of next week's episode, you know, we'll just cut in with a bonus. <laughs> yeah. And, and bonus by somebody, clip. I mean, you know, as long as it's not Omar... Or Marianne. <laughs> Wait, hold on. <laughs> oh, <yeah. laughs> okay. So what? Yeah, I mean, if you want to trade... Uh, <laughs> Maybe I'll give him a or... chance die with Ooh. Marianne, and we'll see. You got those floating around. Okay, well, also, aside from just the players here, we also have the waivers box. Uh, in the waivers box are the people who uh, were not drafted but are still in the game. However, uh, Jackson is no longer in the game. So really, there's just one person in the waivers box now. And that person is Fothy. Um, so typically, anybody can kind of have the opportunity to exchange with the waivers box. And the way we are wanting to do it this season is to just kind of go in order of the people uh, with the least amount of points having the first priority to uh, you know, make trades or trade offers at the very least. And that includes with waivers. However, uh, Soaring is not here to represent himself today, which... And didn't post about, hey, I want this person for which, waivers before he said, I'm not going to be able to make it to right. the show. But then it gives me the opportunity to uh, make a change if I so wish. And I think I will. Uh, I think I think it is time <laughs> to uh, swap out Roxroy with Swathy. Um, both of them have had their 
intro package delivered to us, right? So they're both kind of equally eligible to go home now that we know about them if we're following that line of logic. Uh, and additionally, Rogsworth, I think, is just in a worse position on the tribe because, like you kind of mentioned, Fred, like Romeo seems like he would be okay with letting Roxroy go. Uh, Roxroy seemed like he wasn't really able to hold his own in the challenge. And if he's not doing that, it seems like they didn't perceive, perceive much other value from him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and even though Swathy didn't have too much agency in this episode, I still feel like she didn't come off negatively at all yeah she's not the one of the people i think of as on the chopping block on this tribe yeah i think i think like it might be easy i guess for her to be voted out but it really seems like rocks or tori or romeo are more likely to be targets here yeah i agree so i'll i'll pick up swathy as a safer option and you know when we did our our draft here like there's no down like you know, downsides or like red flags about Swathy. It was kind of just like not really being a big character or, you know, seeming too full of potential or anything. But I feel like she'll probably get through the, the pre-merge here fine. And if she doesn't, I feel like she she at least has a better chance than, than Roxroy really has at this point. So I, I feel comfortable enough making this this trade. Yeah, I think it's a good decision. Still baffles me you drafted Rockstar at all, but that's a separate hey, thing. Never would have, never, <laughs> never know. Never know. He could have been really down to earth, very uh, friendly. It seemed it seemed like he wants to be, but he was just gonna kind of getting like stuck in this like, oh, I don't know what to do with these Gen Z kids like mentality. Yeah, his boomer dad instincts kicked in too hard, and he couldn't control himself. That's uh, I think we're at Gen X dad at this point. Kind of moving our way through the, the cycle. Boomers and attitude. He has, a very, he has he has a very Gen X mentality. I guess I'll say that much. Yeah, so, so that was my trade. Uh, I, I in a way I kind of want to say like I'm open to other trades as well. Like, uh, you know, Fred, if you want if if you want a green team. We could do a, like a Mariah Jenny trade. I don't hate that. I actually don't hate that. Surprisingly, uh, you know, like through yeah, like through this episode, you know, I I Jenny as my mascot, like for the meme of it. But like, I don't think Jenny really has anything bad about her. But she doesn't particularly have any like think good either and i feel like it's the same sort of situation for mariah and it's really just in the interest of like diversity on our teams in terms of tribe makeup yeah so it's like a little less min max but just a little more of like covering bases yeah i really wish i just had the slightest bit more info on mariah right just like the tiniest bit to give me something to work with because right now i just i you know yeah, is just such a big unknown element yeah like when i drafted her i still am not sure where she's gonna land and so like part of me wants to give it another episode but part of me thinks that that will also kind of be 
the nail in, in the coffin one way or the other, right? It'll either be the episode where we realize Jenny is not <laughs> not the the MVP like she was this yeah, episode. It's like, it's like maybe maybe Jenny is only relevant this episode because of participating in the triangles and going to the summit island, and then she fades into obscurity from here. Or maybe Mariah never becomes relevant, right? And that's the almost other side a little of it. bit like you know, you know, like Heather, and you know, end up going far, but just like wasn't really ever important, and there was never really a good way to get a read on her. Yeah. And so th- th- this is a this is a weird one. I think it's it'd like be... either of these characters could go really far into the game just because they are like not threatening. But the point of where we are now is that we are only going up to the merge anyways. That is true. That's true. So if if we're only thinking about you know the next like four episodes or so, I feel like it's likely that they're both around. It's likely that they could end up in a good space on their like their tribe in terms of divisions or a bad space. Hmm. You know what? Like looking at Taku, like it feels like you know Mariah could end up on the outs there, but we just don't know enough about the dynamics of this group. Yeah. Bring now that you have reminded me of the redraft. I I am down with this trade. Because I think Jenny is will just be more fun. And I'm okay with sure. even if things go wrong and like uh uh Mario goes on like a crazy uh I think I've said her name different every single time. Mariah, Jesus. Um goes on a crazy <laughs> point spree and I just Mariah like Sharon, I think. Yeah. It goes on a crazy point spree <laughs> in the next two episodes. I think I'm okay with that. Just for the, yeah, it's just like for at the, the point of, of making this fun. trade, it's like, yeah, cool. I think that's more trades than we ever did last season. Yeah, correct. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> also, it took an entire one episode for me to go from Jenny is first boot to I want Jenny on my team. <laughs> <laughs> How the turntables, the narrative. Okay, well, uh. I think that kind of brings us all the way through everything. Uh the the last thing I want to I want to bring up uh since since it is the gimmick of the season and both of you have two chance mm-hmm. dice. I assume you're going to yeah. hold yeah, on no to shot. them, but you do have the opportunity to <laughs> roll them for extra Respectfully, points. Respectfully, no shot. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Yeah, I think uh I think we're okay for now. We need at least How many chances do I need the, to to the make myself better in the redraft? Like, how do I? Just... Uh, you, so how it works is you use one to uh-huh. lock in the one person you really like yes. on your tribe, and then you can spend the rest to move up in the draft order. Except, Tune, you're the top of the redraft right, so order. So you right only now. need right, to. So use... I I only have to play defensively. Yeah. Yes. Which is nice. <laughs> I I still think we should consider some sort of like points based draft redraft placement instead of our initial draft. Yeah, because I think but initial reversed. draft but reverse is kind of arbitrary. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, it, it absolutely we, we can, was. Uh, we can consider that. Whereas if we do it by points in some capacity, then the redraft is even more of a like equalizer. Mm-hmm. 
I like that idea. Okay. Well, well I'll so, think on that. Uh, those are our thoughts on the premiere. We go over the points we earned uh, throughout it. We talked a little bit about what we might uh, expect to see in the next episode or two. And we got a couple trades in there. Nice. So that wraps it up for us this week. Uh, if you want to go check out our other episodes, we have these sort of like fantasy drafts and analyses and, you know, discussions for every episode, starting with the premiere of Ghost Island up till now. Uh, those are all on rngshow.com. You just scroll down, you'll find them. Additionally, uh, if you want to check the spreadsheets for those old seasons, it's just, you know, the URL rngshow.com slash, and then you put the number of the season at the end of it. It starts at 36. You can figure out the rest. Uh, thanks to Zoe for editing this episode. Again, as always, uh, it's always a great way to make us sound super uh, intelligent and much more well put together than we yeah, it, actually it's... are. Nah. Now, now you have to leave all those ums <laughs> kind of and ahs in. That, uh, all of my insane ramblings just get cut. You know, all of that content just gone. But you know what? It's fine. I get it. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks to Subtact for the use of our theme song. Step up. Uh, this spreadsheet as well. I'll just put it out there one more time. Is rngshow.com/slash/forty-two, or you can just go in the show notes, and the link is there. And I'll be back here next week. <laughs> uh, I'll probably be joined by somebody other than Fred and somebody other than Flying. <laughs> but well, Fred, you're not potentially it? not. As of right now, I do not think so. Okay, I, I'm. I won't be here. See you. See you, nerds, later. <laughs> so uh, I'll be here, and we'll we'll talk about talk about Survivor. All right. See y'all then. Bye bye. Bye. And then and then you edit in that clip of Soren going bye. <laughs>